Computer, initialize Holosuite. Holosuite Media. Welcome back to Random Trek Review, the podcast where we analyze, discuss, and review randomly selected Star Trek episodes. My name's Andrew, and I'll be your host this week for this edition of Random Trek Review. And I'm joined, as always, by my good buddy Matt uh, for our first ever two-parter. It's finally happened. We pulled Very a two-parter. Exciting. It's Descent from TNG. Now, Matt, you're seeming a little more emotional today. How are you doing? Oh, those boring. They just, they make me so mad. <laughs> So we are looking at Descent. Now this is a classic Borg episode. Actually, I don't know. Is it a classic Borg episode or is it just a run-of-the-mill Borg episode? This is definitely amongst the period of time where they hadn't really worn out the Borg's welcome like they did in Voyager. So um, I I imagine that this was a pretty exciting, pretty big reveal at the end of Season 6. But uh, you know what? I don't know why I'm saying that. You should tell me. How did I do last week on my um, review of... Uh, well, you did pretty well. Um, you know, you uh, you filled the ninety seconds with uh, some pretty pretty good stuff. Uh, I think you sort of had the basic plot. You got the whole lore bit. You got um, you know, there are some good specific things you remember, like them discovering the the compound. Uh, you know, Riker and Worf sort of trying to find the rest of the away team on the planet. Um, the one thing that you did kind of miss, you didn't mention anything about Hugh, and he sort of becomes, mm-hmm. um, I mean, even in part one, they sort of um, su- suspected that he had something to do with it, and then in the end, it turned out that they were they were correct. So, um, I mean, that's really the only thing that I think you missed. Um, so I'm going to give you a score of uh, four emotion chips out of five. For all one. right. Was, um, yes. Pretty good. Yes. I'm all about it. That's awesome. Uh, so this week is season six, episode 26, the season finale. It is from June 21st, 1993. There's a whole ton of guest stars here. John Neville is Isaac Newton. What? Well, we'll talk about it. Jim Norton is Albert Einstein. Najilia Nojilich. Oh, I just butchered that badly. As Admiral Nechea. Brian Cousins as Croesus. Stephen Hawking as himself. We'll have to talk about that as well. Richard Gilbert Hill as Bosus. Stephen James Carver as Tayar, Jonathan Del Arco as Hugh, Alex Datcher as Ensign Tat- Tate, James Horan as Lieutenant Barnaby, Benito Martinez as Salazar, Michael Riley Burke as Govell, and I guess Brent Spiner as Lore. So yeah, this one, the dual role, the double role. I guess you know he did that a lot throughout TNG. Actually, he did. Quite a few times where he had to play Lauren, do the double duty, right? And also Dr. Soong. And Dr. Soong. In fact, he played Dr. Soong and Lore simultaneously. That is true. That must have been a busy call sheet for Brent Spiner that week. Yeah. What, Brothers? Yep. Brothers, right? Okay. Uh, This one's written by Jerry Taylor and Ronald D. Moore and directed by Alexander Sigur. Um, Of course, this is just part one this week. So let's jump into the synopsis um, and... Then we are going to do part two next week. 
Um, and obviously, I won't get a rating or anything for that next week. So we are going to uh, maybe play some games, add some trivia to uh, the mix to kind of add a little bit of excitement to uh, the end of the episode. So um, we're always at looking to add excitement here at RTR. That's exactly right. So data's on the holodeck doing exactly what you would do if you were a super intelligent android to, to be doing. You'd be playing Parker, pork, blah, 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 poker with Albert Einstein, Stephen Hawking, and Isaac Newton. Right as the foursome are getting into some interesting debate, Data is called to the bridge. A nearby starbase is under distress. When the away team arrives, they find that the crew is dead. Worse still, their landing point gets jumped by the Borg. And these Borgs seem different. They seem to have names. They're concerned for one each other's safety, and they're more aggressive than they've been seen in the past. The Borg aren't the only ones that are acting different, as Lieutenant Commander Data grabs a Borg and violently murders him, appearing to show signs of anger. The remaining Borg take notice and beam back to their ship, but not a Borg cube. It's another more kind of standard looking ship, and it escapes the planet using some sort of trans-warp conduit. Back aboard the Enterprise, Data is having some deep reflection on his experience. He's talking to Counselor Troy, and he's even trying to recreate the experience in the holodeck. Meanwhile, Admiral Cheyoff is giving, the, uh, giving Picard the gears, uh, because after all, it was him that sent Hugh back with the emotion that the Borg have now changed, and they're now more dangerous than they've ever been before. Neither of the two get very much closer, as another outpost post is under attack, and the Enterprise is the closest ship once again. The Borg ship escapes, but this time the Enterprise follows them through the conduit, moving them 60-some-odd light-years in a matter of seconds. Picard sends Data to talk to the unreclaimed Borg unit they have stowed upon the ship in the brig, but the two of them escape by shuttle pod to a nearby planet. Picard, Troy, and LaForge find a strange building on the planet while searching for data, and once inside, get surrounded by the Borg drones, led by Lore and Data, the Sons of Soon. All right, let's get some overall impressions of Descent Part 1. Uh, Matt, this is a quasi-classic episode. Um, I feel like almost all of the Borg episodes from TNG are memorable to at least a certain extent. Um, what's your overall impression of this episode? And uh, if you have any first watch or memories of the episode, then share them with us now. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I really like this episode. It's um, I, I think it's probably one of the more classic uh, Next Generation episodes. Um, I remember the first time I would have seen it would have been during the original run, so I would have... I would have had to go through the entire summer, like wondering mm. what's gonna happen, and I mean that's a, I mean it's a pretty intense cliffhanger. Um, so yeah, I had to go through an entire summer at like twelve years old, like wondering what's gonna happen. So you can imagine how impatient and how uh, you know my imagination was running wild, but what might might happen. Uh, yeah, I remember reading a story about uh, Patrick Stewart. Uh, after Best of Both Worlds Part 1, people would pull up beside him in Los Angeles or wherever, and they would lean out the car window and scream, You ruined my summer! And they'd peel <laughs> off and drive away. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would say it ruined my summer, but it certainly uh, impact, it was certainly uh, on my mind for a lot of the summer um, after I, the first time I saw it. Um, yeah, it was for, I mean, I really like this episode. It's a, it's a really good one, I think. Yeah, and I mean, I'm going to kind of basically say the same thing. I think that uh, the Borg episodes in TNG weren't uh, overcooked, and I think that the first part of this one especially does a good job of showing that the Borg have made major changes, 
Now we know in the end that this is not really the case. This is kind of more just this branch of Borg, I guess. But I do like that this is adding a new dimension to them. And it's a lot of kind of confusion early on. So Data's feeling emotions, the Borg are different. And it is a lot of things that are unusual. And it's a great, it's a great, great season finale. Um, sadly, the last one, right? Because this is season six. So this was the last big cliffhanger. Uh, and I think they did a good job with it. So um, in terms of my first watch, like I've always said, is TNG I've watched relatively recently. And so I don't really, I probably didn't even wait. I just kind of went right from one to the other. And that's kind of something I miss about TV in general is that now with this whole streaming aspect of things, you don't really get the time to wonder and, and, and worry and all this kind of stuff, which I like about Discovery. You don't really get shows like this where they're released weekly anymore. And I mean, as much as it sucks to wait a year for your show to come back on, it is exciting when it comes back as you know we've seen with the shorts and now season two coming out re soon it's yeah it adds a layer of excitement if there's actually a period of time between one season and another yeah it, it it's definitely different than a lot of shows now and yeah like like you say when you when you watch them all in you know netflix style now you mean you know it's probably a cliffhanger for you for about 10 minutes you know <laughs> well yeah and i mean the, the most obvious one is stranger things i don't know if you watch that show but almost every episode kind of ends in a cliffhanger and then you've got maybe five or ten seconds until the next one starts up and because of that you almost always just watch it straight away whereas if it were weekly there'd be so much discussion and people be online talking about it things like that and I think that that is kind of a, a lost era. You almost have to wait till the very end and then you and your friends can discuss it. Or, But then by then you kind of already know all the answers, so it's not as exciting, it's not as fun. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of a lost, uh, you know, but that's just the way, you know, television is sort of a- Not Star Trek. Star Trek's yeah. still weekly and I like it a little bit actually. As much as I hate it, I like it. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess it's good and bad. So let's just talk about a little bit of the background development. Obviously, Descent is a bit of a strange name, and I guess it comes from an idea that they were originally going to crash land the Enterprise on a planet, and they decided not to do that just because, I guess, it was going to be too expensive and it would kind of mess with what the overall kind of thing was going to be. Um, but they left the name. Uh, what do you think about that as an idea, just kind of in terms of... Do you like that as an idea, like crashing the Enterprise before a big movie? Like, they obviously end up doing it in Generations, um, which makes sense because it's the big first Next Generation movie. But what did you think of that as an idea, just in terms of doing it as Season 6? Uh, well, I mean, I guess it would have been kind of cool and spectacular, but, um, I mean, what do they do in Season 7? Like, do they somehow resurrect the ship or do they just build a new one like I, I don't know i think it would have maybe led to some uh problems if they decided to go that route yeah i, I guess part of the idea was was that marina certes and gates mcfadden hadn't actually been signed on for season seven their contracts were up and so they were going to use it as a little bit of a loophole in terms of if those two actresses hadn't resigned they could have just killed them in the crash but then it all worked out, and they didn't crash it, and they just left the name. Um, I Voyager crashed, right? Uh, it land. They had the, the ability to land, but I think it crashed yes. once too on the ice planet. Yes. So it's not impossible, but 
at the same time, I know I don't know. I think that having season one open or sorry season seven opening with them getting the Enterprise E, that's I don't like that. That rubs me the no, way. Yeah, that's that's what I mean when I say they would have run into some problems. I think that would have also been tricky. I mean, I'm not even crazy about crashing it in generations. I kind of felt that it wasn't it wasn't great. I mean, I like the Enterprise E too. I really do, but I don't know. I just they crash it and it's just kind of sad and then they get a new one and I don't know. I, I based on my feeling from generations, I'm glad they didn't crash it in season 6. They had a budget in generations to blow. Oh, it, it crashing <laughs> is amazing. It's beautiful, but yeah, I don't know if I uh, I don't know if I like it in the end. Yeah. Um, so the other thing that's just kind of production notes. Um, so this one has Stephen Hawking in it. And we can talk about the poker game in a second, but Stephen Hawking is actually the only person to ever appear as himself. Like in Next Generation? I don't know. That's what I read. Oh, He's the only Trek. actor to ever play himself in a Star Trek franchise. That's oh, that's an interesting piece of trivia. I can't that think of another well, situation where it would happen, right? Yeah, that could very well be correct. It's huh. a weird thing because if you're playing a hologram of yourself, it's kind of like you're having to face the fact that you will die and eventually if you're famous enough, somebody could recreate you as a hologram and play poker with you, right? Yeah, that would be kind of an interesting, uh, weird kind of thing to have to go through. Yeah, it's weird, but it's I guess... Like, it's like I'm a simulation of myself in the future. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a kind of a strange thing. Uh, there's also that famous story where they took him on a tour of uh, different sets and uh, the bridge and everything. And when they got to the engineering section, and there's kind of that ship picture with the warp bubbles and stuff like that, he made the famous line, "I'm working on that." Yep. Yeah. Um, which is a, which is kind of a cool thing. Unfortunately, he passed away earlier um, this year, and. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he is uh, the only person that would ever play himself, which is kind of a cool little thing. I think that this one ages itself, ages a lot better than that Elon Musk line from Discovery in season one. <laughs> I mean, they've always done this, right, where they talk about presidents and they throw in kind of a ra- couple randoms and then a couple older ones. Um, but, yeah, this one, I mean, I think in the amount of time, I think that Stephen Hawking is going to still hold up as one of our like greatest scientists of all time so it just makes yeah. it even that much better you know yep yeah and he was great at this kind of stuff um other than that i didn't have much did you have anything no i didn't really dig up any uh any other tidbits um but i i always found the name of the episode very puzzling but i guess now i understand where that came from yeah i guess everyone descends down to the planet <laughs> or, or maybe it's like Data's descent into madness. Insanity, madness, maybe. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It was always a very, uh, it was always a very puzzling title to me. Yeah, I mean, it's just some smaller piece, little bits and pieces. Is that um, they go back to Vasquez Rocks? So uh, obviously, this is filmed in California, just outside of LA. Um, the big firefight in the beginning, the phasers, they actually um, just did it all in post production, so they didn't actually add any fire or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and despite the fact that all the boards show up at the end of the episode, it's actually only 11 extras that they just multiply digitally to make it look like there's a whole crew so they can save whatever an extra makes, 80 bucks or something. So, so. you can, so you can like pause it and try to like figure out where, where the like the is. doubles and yeah. Tri- yeah, like the It's like when you're in elementary school and you have to find the pattern. Where does it repeat? <laughs> yeah, exactly.
All right, let's go through some plot points. Obviously, this has to be one of the most famous Star Trek teasers of all time. Data, Hawking, Newton, Einstein. They're all having a game of poker. Um, this is, yeah, I can't believe I forgot this was part of this episode. Um, what, uh, what are your feelings kind of on the, the beginning thing with the famous scientist? Do you think that they should do this more frequently, less frequently, or just about right in terms of kind of drawing back to old scientists and maybe even trying to get people to come on and play holograms with yourself? Um, is this kind of a best left as a, a one-off, or do you wish they kind of maybe do this more frequently? Well, when, when I watch this scene, the thing that goes through my mind is like, this is such a data thing to do. Yes, very much so. You know, like, like who else would think, you know, you have a holodeck, you can create... You know, you can create virtually any any figure from history or anyone you want. And, mm -hmm. you know, and of course, Data thinks, okay, I'm going to get like three, you know, renowned, you know, scientists, physicists, whatever, mathematicians. And I'm just going to play poker with them and see what happens. Like, I feel like that's a really Data thing to do. It's definitely uh, more sophisticated than Barclay, like, uh, you know, just seeing all the hot girls that work in the starship and <laughs> putting them in the holodeck. Yeah, I don't think Barkley would ever be playing poker with uh, Newton, Einstein, and, and Hawking in the holodeck. Yeah, no, definitely not. <laughs> um, so there's some inside jokes here, and I picked up on a couple of them, but I have to admit that I didn't pick up on all of them. Did you pick up on any of the kind of interplay between the three scientists? Are you a big fan of uh, you know physics and science and that kind of stuff? I was never great at math, um, so... Some of the, like, some of it, I kind of sort of picked up that, like, yeah, that's probably pretty funny between, you know, super uh, smart uh, scientists. The one that, like, I, the, the one line that I thought was really hilarious was when Einstein said something about, like, all the quantum anomalies in the universe won't change the cards in your hand. Or, yeah. Um, I can't remember the exact line because it was this really big scientific terminology. But so, I, yeah. Like, that one I, that, that one I, like, got because it was, you know, it was very simple and straightforward and so I, I thought that was pretty funny but yeah, yeah and there was a couple other lines that, that there is that classic line from uh Stephen Hawking where he goes wrong again Albert and he like flops down his <laughs> cards because a lot of Einstein's work Hawking like disproved yeah. with the uh, big bang theory and all that kind of stuff yeah. um and there's a couple of other things too about like uh they they're picking on Newton early on and part of the reason is is because I guess like the planet of Mercury, its orbit couldn't be explained using Newton's laws alone, and so that's why Hawking and Newton both, or sorry, Hawking and Einstein are kind of there in on the joke, but he's not, uh, which I thought was kind of fun. It's just a nice little kind of um, a nice little kind of piece. Um, there's also a little bit where they kind of poke fun at the fact that. Einstein is maybe going to have a hard, bit of a hard time counting up his cards because there was like that myth that he was poor at simple arithmetic, yeah. which I've heard is not actually true. Oh. But um, I think that they were kind of just playing, uh, playing up on that. I, I think that it's great. And, but you know what? I feel like if they did this all the time, it probably wouldn't be super... I think it would get old really, really quickly. This is kind of fun as a one-off, but I don't think you could do it all the time. I also like when uh, when Hawking was like, not the Apple story again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I think you're right. I think this is like, you know, you can't really, I don't think this is something you can do regularly. This is like a, it's a really good, cool sort of one-time one, one time 
thing. True, and I guess there is that Voyager episode where you find out that the apple fell on his tree because the Q shook it. <laughs> uh, we'll have to wait till we get to that one. Um, so they get the call to the bridge. They go, um, and turns out there's a star base that's under attack and everything like that. And they beam down, and it's the Borg. Um, obviously. We've already seen this episode a bunch of times, so it's not really super duper exciting. Um, do you think it's a good reveal? Did you like that whole kind of anticipation as well as the, I guess, like the little fight that ensues as well? It was definitely very shocking. Like when that door opened up and there's just like a Borg standing Right, yeah, it's kind of scary actually. I was like, like I remember when I first saw this episode, I was like, oh my God, there's a, like the Borg. Yeah. Like, geez, it's, that's, that's really bad. Yeah, especially since, like, the last one that we had seen was Ibor, which really wasn't that Borg-centric. It was one Borg away from everybody else, right? Yeah. So the last time that we really saw them was Best of Both Worlds, and they kind of left that in the sense that it was going to be, like, oh, they're really far away, and they're coming eventually. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, they left the Borg enough that, like, they, they're sort of made as this, like, you know, all-powerful villain right mm -hmm. and and really after best of the worlds they really leave it until now mm -hmm. and then they just show up completely out of the blue mm -hmm. so yeah like that was pretty pretty shocking yeah i definitely liked it and i mean i guess the obvious other big question is is that data is this is kind of the first time that we really see and really leaning into some emotions and uh what were you, what were your thoughts on that aspect of things? Were you do you like that part of it? Do you think that this is a good place to take the character? Like assuming that you don't know what happens eventually in generations, but like is this the natural progression? Like we if we don't do more with data and give him something to kind of grow on, that it's going to kind of go stale. It was really weird seeing him get mad like mm. that, and you you know you definitely get the sense that something was. Uh, really amiss because like it never happens yeah. in the in the series previous that like there's never any like part of the series where he like sort of wavered that way and then all of a sudden he's like you know yelling and he's got this like crazy maniacal look on his face and he like chokes the guy and like, throws him against the wall and then picks him up again and smashes yeah. his like face against like, the wall him. yeah exactly and it's like what is going on here like that was pretty I guess we've seen lore kind of do that, be a bit more emotional. Oh, yes, absolutely. So we've seen it, but not data, and that's kind of the interesting piece of it, right? Yeah, that's what really sort of draws your interest, because it's like, what the heck just happened there? Mm -hmm. You know, in addition to having all these, like, you know, funny acting Borg that are not, that don't seem to be part of the collective, you know? You, yeah. You, it's like, what what's going on here? Data's getting mad at things, Borg are like, you know freaking out because he killed one of their buddies and they all have names and like what what is happening here it's like everything that you know about both things have sort of been it's turned broken, completely yeah. upside down yeah that's true and i guess like i mean if i'm thinking about it before that any i knew anything about it it's almost as if is there some sort of anomaly that's creating it or is it something on the planet you know ionic storm or something right um but also this this really feels like they were almost trying to redo the board like the way they talk about it and the way that it's kind of discussed makes it seem as if this is the way that they are now. They sent Hugh back, they got some individuality into the collective, and now, like, this is the way they are, and all of them are like this. 
Um, now, do you like that as an idea? Or are you glad that they kind of eventually decided to go back to the more villainous drones in First Contact? Well, I like that they sort of introduced the possibility of that mm-hmm. um, because, like, that's pretty terrifying. Uh, the thought of like having a, a Borg or having the Borg, but not just having this like mindless like hive mind mentality, right? Right. Like that's pretty like like I I I mean I was pretty young when I saw this the first time, but I still remember thinking like, oh, oh my god, like what what's gonna happen next? Like mm-hmm. they. they if they decided like that they're just gonna go on a rampage and, and kill whoever they can, like that's pretty scary. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, uh, definitely. I, I mean, I I didn't really. Um, I don't know if I really was like sort of wondering like, is this what they all are, or is it just some of them? I think just the thought of of any board having these sort of individual tendencies versus just the the mind, you know, the blind hive mind. Um, like that's pretty, like it's pretty, pretty scary. Yeah, and I guess it's it, they're more aggressive, and they also have these trans warp conduits that they can go huge amounts of space through and stuff like that. So that kind of adds another layer, and they're in a different ship. There's so many different things about the board in this particular episode. It definitely feels like something was awry. Yeah, and it it sort of like takes the sort of frightening aspect and like the the dangerousness of the board and like just sort of puts it up at another level. So the other thing I really liked about this episode is that uh, kind of predating a lot of these uh, serialized television, they do call back Hugh, and Admiral Necheyev even goes so far as to call out Picard on his decision to let Hugh go back into the collective with an individualized thing, kind of almost blaming him in a way. Uh, and, and just flat out says, if you ever get the opportunity again, we're wiping him out. Now, it's interesting because, I mean, Picard is the captain of the flagship of the Enterprise, of the Federation. But, I mean, going back to IHU, should he have really made that decision on his own? And it's kind of a little bit tough for them to come back later and say, you made the wrong one. Because maybe that would have been the thing that wrecked them or to change them or what have you, right? So, it's... It's kind of... I, do you, I, do, what do you think? What, who do you kind of side with here? Nechea for Picard? Uh, well, I hate to say it, but Nechea, like, he could have destroyed them forever, mm-hmm. and that would have been the end of it. But, but I mean, that's not really good television, because... But Crusher, the humanity part of it. Well, yeah, but, I mean, we saw, like, he, the card, I, I'm pretty shocked that he would make a decision like that, because, I mean, he was assimilated by them. He knows how terrible and awful and bad that they are. Uh, yeah, and they don't have any semblance of good. And this is one of the things... It's hard to do the Borg episodes, actually, because I feel like it's very difficult to talk about it without talking about the past Borg episodes and the future Borg episodes. Because we know that they they go back on this, not once, but twice, right? So this is the last that we see of the Borg before First Contact. And when, but when we get to First Contact, it's a different Picard. Like, period. He is completely yeah. different. He's traumatized by it. He wants to kill them all and everything like that. And that's not what we saw in the later seasons of Next Generation. They almost kind of retconned that. And then uh, in the book series, uh, as I know you and I have both read um, some of the board-based books, they almost kind of go back and change it a little bit again. So um, mm-hmm. what Picard do you like in terms of the board stuff? The TV Picard, the book Picard, or the... I guess first contact with her. Uh, well, I guess they sort of all have their per like they all have their kind of 
cool things. Like, first contact, he's like this total Captain Ahab. Yeah, he's an action star, right? Last action hero. Well, and he's also just like out, like just blinded by his you know need for revenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't. I mean, I guess the the TV Picard is kind of uh, more. There's a bit more morality to him, I guess. So maybe that makes him more attractive. But I mean, I, I mean, first contact, he was pretty intense and pretty. Mm-hmm. I mean, made for good theater. True. I, I although I feel that after seven years of television, that's kind of the one that everybody thinks of. You know, the one that is going to be, you know, more re- more looking at all the angles and the you know the big speeches that kind of stuff. More rational. Movie Picard is you know he's got the rifle and everything like that. They kind of almost went a step further in the books. We recently read the Borg uh, Destin, trilogy, Destiny Destin series. Yeah. And he's almost, like, beyond that. Like, he actually gets to a point where he's almost just kind of given up on even trying. Like, he's in, like, almost a broken person by the time you get to the book series, which is years after First Contact. But, um, yeah, I think that uh, the Borg is such an interesting aspect of Next Generation, and it wasn't overused. I know I've already said that a couple of times, but you only get a handful of episodes, and really, honestly and truthfully, they are all kind of standouts because of it. If you count iBorg, there's four, right? Now, yeah. two of them are two-part episodes, so, I mean, if you want uh, Yeah, to... really, three episodes. So. Well, well D- Descent Decibel Worlds are two-part. Then oh, yeah, and then Q-Hoo. Q-Hoo, yeah. yeah so, so. Really, I mean, if you want to get nitpicky, there's, I guess, six. Yeah. But that's, like... But only, yeah, only four stories. Yeah, like, and, and iBorg is, is, like you said earlier, it's one... It's basically one Borg. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're facing off against hundreds or thousands Legions of them. Legions of them, I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, and so I guess the other big storyline from the uh, from the first half is that Data is trying to recreate the feelings. He goes and sees Counselor Troy, and um, he's kind of trying to lean into um, how he feels about these uh, new emotions that are coming about. And I think they even say he takes him off, he takes himself off duty. Yep, to kind he of did. And worry yeah. about it and stuff like that. Um, so Data has gone to Counselor Troy in the past. Um, that is a great scene. What did you think of uh, their counseling session? Uh, that was pretty deep. Yeah, it was. Well, you know, like like emotions are not good or bad. It's how we act on them that mm-hmm. they're good or bad. And there's all that. And I mean, that actually comes back later on in, yeah. the, in the episode. Um, that was a pre- I mean, it was really deep. It was really uh, interesting. You know, you have Data trying to make sense of what he's feeling, and and he like he doesn't really even know how to describe it. And Council yeah. Troy's trying to like giving him. Trying to give him as much advice as she can, but I mean that was pretty. That was very interesting that scene. Yeah, there's definitely that very chilling scene when uh, I think it must have been going into a commercial break, but where yeah, they said I think I felt another feeling when I was killing that guy, and she goes, "Oh, what was the feeling that you felt?" And he goes, "Pleasure." That that was actually chilling, and I mean we could probably make the have a whole conversation, whole episode on. You know, is it even a good idea to have Data in Starfleet? He's super strong. He can imitate every kind of voice. He's gone berserk how many times and taken over the ship or, you know what I mean? I mean, he's almost gone crazy as often as times as he has saved the ship. So it's a very difficult thing. Like, if you were Counselor Troy and a super strong android, super smart, says something like that in a counseling session, don't you think that you might be sidling your way out of there? That would be pretty... That's not something you want to hear from an android. No. 
I mean, you probably don't want to hear that from anybody because I, no. this is one of those things where if you murder, if you kill somebody when you're out on a field mission, do you have to go to the counselor or is it just such commonplace that you just, you know, oh, killed another handful of people. Like is Riker going in after the meeting as well and dealing with these emotions and dealing with these things or is it just they're so used to killing people that it doesn't even matter. It, it probably depends on the person. I don't, I don't think Worf would need like counseling. <laughs> yeah, probably not. But uh, who knows? I mean, I'm sure if some like brash young ensign went out in a way mission and had to like kill somebody to defend himself. And that was like the first time he's ever done it. I would, I would think that they'd be sending that young ensign to the counselor. Yeah, probably. Right. I mean, that's probably what the counselor is for. It's probably what they spend all their job doing. Right. Yeah, probably. Hey, this is Matt, and you are listening to Random Trek Review. To get the latest podcasts and to read the RTR blog, visit our website at randomtrekreview.blogspot.com. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes by searching for Random Trek Review. You can find us on social media, uh, Twitter at Rando Trek Review, and on Instagram at Random Trek Review. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, and prefer old-school email, Feel free to drop us a line at randomtrekreview at gmail.com. Now back to the show. All right, so the other thing I wanted to kind of talk about is these transwarp conduits. Uh, as far as I remember, this is the first they get brought up, right? The fact that the Borg, I guess they got here through the, the transwarp conduit, or at least they're using them to kind of bounce around throughout the different uh, regions of space. Um, is this maybe trying to lead into a precursor, like this was going to replace trans or warp drive, or is this just kind of showing the power of the board? What, what did you think about doing the trans warp conduit thing? Hmm. Uh, that's an interesting question. I, I, I guess they would have needed to be able to explain how these particular board were able to get there quickly. Cause I mean, before it was like, it took them like whatever, two and a half years or something to reach. Right. The Alpha Quadrant. So, um, I think it's sort of a combination of like, here's the board, like ingenuity. They must have assimilated someone that had transwarp conduit technology. Yes, very true. And also just as like a way to explain how like these individual boards were able to get there much more quickly. Mm -hmm. Now the Enterprise gets to go into it, and later on we see that they can actually go back and go through it by kind of doing the pulse and then heading through. Um, but are these conduits kind of little, almost like chutes and ladders where they only exist during, during little periods or you can open them up anywhere? Like, I kind of feel like, man, Voyager could have used one of these. Yeah. Yeah. Voyager definitely could have used it. Transwarp conduit. Yeah. They don't really explain how it works, whether it's right. sort of like an established route of, or established network of conduits or whether it's just sort of like a one-off thing and then it disappears. Like, I don't know. They didn't really get into that. Too right. Much. And it doesn't really come up later, does it? Like season seven, I was trying to rack my brain. Does this ever really come back or not really? Is season seven when they eventually figure out like warp drive is almost like carbon emissions and it's wrecking the universe. It's destroying the fabric of space and time. Yeah. There was that, the, that one episode where they realized that it was, uh, harming the fabric of space and then they put like a speed limit on ships yeah and then somehow they like came up with some like technology to counteract it yeah i kind of feel like that was a climate change thing oh yeah oh totally yeah they were, they were trying to kind of cap onto it uh yeah. do you like the new borg ship or no uh i i like that it was distinctly different from the cubes 
with mm-hmm. Shotgun Sandy. And Spears. Actually, we hadn't seen a spear yet, had we? There, no, that's true. Uh, we have not seen spears yet. Um, I thought it was all right. Um, it was kind of weird because it was like really wide, mm-hmm. and you don't really see that very much. Yeah. So when it sort of moved, was like moving through space, it looked kind of odd that way. But otherwise, I don't know. I didn't like it, but I didn't dislike it. I thought it was okay. I didn't really like it either. I kind of thought that it was kind of a neat idea to think about if you're going around and reclaiming all or claiming all these civilizations, wouldn't you take their ships? And have them as part of your armada? Uh, you think so, yes. So that's, I just figured that's what it was. They captured this ship and they thought, I will keep this one, it's good. Yeah, that's. I feel like that's pretty plausible, yeah. So, uh, this kind of leads us to this whole scene where they don't go back and recapture their dead. These particular Borg, if they die, they just leave them behind. So, they leave one behind. He's not dead. They reactivate him. They kind of get some good dialogue between Picard and one of the board guys. Picard even pulls the Locutus card out, tries to, you know, get him to, to break and stuff, doesn't buy it. Very, very strange scene. What was your kind of take on the whole prison scene and the, that's, the Kronos? Is that the one that was in the Kronos? Kronos, sorry, yes. Uh, I thought that it sort of served to reinforce the fact that these are not board from the collective true um and like you said picard was like just grilling this guy like i am locutus you will answer my questions and all this and that and the guy just has pretty much just ignores him and just um he sort of goes on those that you know um here's how we're going to kill you right like species human uh you know we'll basically in some fancy terms he says we'll just break your neck that's how we're right. gonna kill you and then he gets to warp and it's like we're gonna like i, I I forget what he said. It was something like, we'll puncture your heart or something. Right. And that's, they know all the ways they, to kind of kill all the different species. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think that's what sort of that, what that scene was sort of just to reinforce that, like, this is not, you know, this, this guy's not from the collective and it's not like you can sort of say the right phrase to trigger him going back into it. Like, it's, like, this guy's an individual and, and he's part of this weird cause. Well, he even says that it, it, they, it's a kind of confusion amongst them, right? It's like they're not the same. Yeah, yeah. And so then the other thing that's kind of strange about this whole scene is is that Data comes in, and Data and the board are alone. The guy triggers something on his outfit, mm-hmm. and then there's kind of a noticeable change with Data. They cut, and then they are escaping in the in the, in the shuttle pod. Um, so was this the plan all along, kind of just hit these outposts where the Enterprise is, and then try to kind of get one of the guys near Data and activate this homing beacon is that kind of what the plan was or because they see data in the teaser and they kind of like whisper and they go away but they why didn't they activate it then there's a couple there's something about that whole bit that i didn't really understand did you get it yeah that one's kind of a tricky one to, to get your head around because on the one hand it's like if they were you think that the plan was to try to get data because the enterprise was the closest ship during both attacks but they fled both times and I don't think they would have like anticipated that the Enterprise would have been able to follow them through the transform mm. conduit because so I, I like that's a little confusing to me. It's almost like it was a backup plan or something, but then it's it kind of is like it sets up the big reveal at the end, so they obviously wanted data. Yeah, it's a little confusing, I think, because just because that they fled through the conduit both times, like if they wanted data. 
wouldn't they have just like sent the guys over to the ship right away? Straight away yeah. yeah, like it, it was a little confusing getting my head around that. Like what? Like, and this was sort of one of the things that I think I was gonna talk about after we looked at part two. Is like what? Like what was the, what was the plan? Yeah, what was the goal here? Yeah, because that and the other thing too about this part of it, and it was going really strongly up until about this point where Data goes to the planet with this random board, and so then they go back and they send like almost everybody. They leave a skeleton crew on the ship, and they send like the entire crew to find Data. And including the captain, which is never really done. Yes. So they send Picard down, and they leave Beverly in charge, which is cool. I like that. Actually, that's one of my favorite parts of the second episode. We'll talk about that next time. But um, I didn't really get A, why Picard went, and B, they send down all these teams, and it's for one person. And it's a very strange move. Uh, I was a, Yeah, I feel like that's not like standard Starfleet procedure if one of your officers is missing on a planet to just like send everybody, send yeah. them all, send them all, everybody that like can hold the tricorder, get to the transporter. Right. You're going I down mean, it's the, the second officer. It's obviously important, but not that important. I can think of literal episodes where they go, well, he's lost. Like we, you know, <laughs> he's not worth it for one person, that kind of thing, right? Exactly. I guess and maybe they're thinking that there's only maybe a handful of these Borg and they're on the ship, so like they really need to find this one and figure out what's going on. Like, Yeah, it just, well, no, I, no matter how you sort of slice it, I really feel like that's a huge overreaction to send everybody down except the skeleton crew. Right, yeah. I mean, it's a huge ship, right? So, I mean, it's, it's a very strange move. This kind of leads to that famous scene I was talking about where they're searching about and... They find that they this this building, which is a very famous looking building, um, yep. which we'll talk about in a second. But uh, they go into the building. They find that it's got a strange like trap door. I don't know why they bothered to mention that there wasn't like a main door, but there's just a regular board door. They go in. You know, mm-hmm. you got the Borg logo. Of course, they have a logo for some reason. <laughs> I think this is the first time we see it, isn't it? It's the only time you've ever seen only it. time, yeah. yeah. So it's on the flags and everything like that. They come in, they get surrounded by Borg guys, and it's lore. And not only is it lore, it's lore and it's data. It's the brothers of Soon. There's the sons of Soon. The sons of Soon. Um, yep. a, a classic moment. You can't argue it, right? It's a classic TNG moment. Um, what do you think? What do you think of the big reveal at the end? Well, um, I thought it was done pretty effectively because when they first show lore, there's like that moment of like, oh my god, is that data? Right. That like weird, crazy, like armored black Suit, outfit. Yeah. And, um, you know, and they look up and they're like, data? And Troy's like, that's not data. And yeah. just like, oh wow. Like, yeah, and it's been a long time since we've seen lore, right? Like, we only saw lore last in what, Brothers? Um, that is. Most likely correct. Yeah, yeah he only like really showed Lord's... again. That's the thing. Like Lore, they didn't overuse it. He was only really in maybe what two or three. I want to say. Um, I feel like three is the right number. So I mean, that's you talking. You know, what hundred plus episodes, and they only used it in three. That's pretty good. I, I'm 
you would never see that nowadays. I think that nowadays it's like the Voyager thing where they just went to the Borg a million times, right? So Someone would come up with the idea and they'd be like, all right, let's put lore in like every week. Right. For a month. Yeah. Now, I mean, this is the kind of big reveal. If this was TV nowadays to kind of to throw it on its, on its other side of things is that TV nowadays would just leave them as villains for like a whole season. That's true. Yes. Right? Like this, you know that Data's going to be back working on the Enterprise by the end of the beginning of next season. But nowadays, they would maybe take the risk and push it a little bit further. Yeah, I tend to agree. They, they do like to take things a little bit further than maybe they should nowadays. Yeah, maybe. I mean, sometimes it does work out nicely. But yeah, I did like that big reveal at the end. And like you said, you watched it back in its original run. So you know that it definitely had the, the kind of the punch that you would expect right it's yeah. not best of both worlds like we can we well, can agree no. on that right best um, of both worlds is it's funny it's like was the first star trek cliffhanger and it probably still remains the best yeah and it's it's one of the top five tv cliffhangers all time yeah right yeah. so um i think that best of both worlds kind of set the standard for star trek to have season cliffhangers yeah right? if you think about it like, almost all of them after that pretty much ended um, in somewhat of a cliffhanger, right? Redemption, Worf takes off and fights in Klingon Civil War. Then mm-hmm. there's Time's Arrow. Data's head gets, like, blown off. Yeah. Uh, there's this. Yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, you're pretty right. Pretty much, it's, right? Yeah. And almost. even the Space Nine Voyager, even Discovery. Like, we're we're months away from kind of going, what, what, what's the Enterprise doing? Why is it there? Yeah. You know, what's going to happen? Maybe not as much, but, like, I definitely think that's a big part of Star Trek is the big season finales yeah okay i feel like we i feel like we do this every week but we kind of get ahead of ourselves we talk about the cast and characters ahead of the cast and the characters section uh but i just kind of want to briefly talk about um some of the people that show up and their past their present their future uh the first one's admiral and chayoff you know that She's one of my fave admirals. I think she we brought her up in the past, I want to say. I think that she was in one of the episodes of Deep Space Nine, maybe. Or maybe she got brought up in one of the episodes of Deep Space Nine. Um, mm. She's one of the only ones that isn't evil. One of the only admirals that isn't evil? Yeah. Think about it. I guess that's true. <laughs> As it comes... You know, wait, yeah, wait, that is true. Like, think about how many admirals are actually good at their job. Yeah, I guess that's true. She's, she's very stern, but um, definitely not evil. Yeah, no, I like the JF. I think she's great. And I like that it was it's a callback from again, she showed up in Best of Both Worlds, right? Um, I don't think the J was in Best of Both oh, no? Worlds. I think she, she's more Deep Space Nine. She shows you up may be thinking world. Chain of Command. Maybe I'm that was, I think, her first like major major episode. Yeah. Okay. She was, she was very, very prominent in that episode. So do you have any thoughts on Admiral Chayov or not really? Uh I, I don't I, I she's alright. Um yeah. Like I said, she's very stern. She's very, um, she, she doesn't mince words. Yeah, you know, I think just, she's good. I mean, it's just the, the character the way it is. And I think that that's kind of a fresh, uh, kind of fresh for Star Trek. Because, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's also buddy-buddy and everyone gets along and, and whatnot. And then she comes in and just... Says the way it is. Rips Picard for not destroying the Borg when he had an opportunity <laughs> and uh, was not very nice about it. But hey, that's that's life. Yeah, that is. I guess that is very true. Uh, what about Lore? I know we, we kind of already talked about Lore doesn't really show up that frequently, um, and he's not even in this episode a whole ton, so maybe we should like bite our tongue. But um, 
Are so you, do you, do you, do you like lore? Just as like, as a concept that there is more than one android, you know, you've got Data and then you've got the brother Lore. Do you like the fact that there's two of them or do you think that that's kind of maybe pushing it? Well, I think the fact that they didn't go to that well too often is what makes it good. Right. I, mean, I, I think it's great. Um, that, and it makes perfect sense that, you know, there would have been, you know, previous iterations of, right. of this, this android, right? Like, you're not going to get it perfect the first time. Right. Um, and, and I you know, I think Lore is a great foil because he's he's like the you know he's like the opposite of Data in a lot of ways. Would you go so far as to say maybe they didn't use Lore enough? Well, that's an interesting question. Um, like I say, I mean they certainly didn't overuse him, mm-hmm. um, which I think is good. Uh, I don't know if I would really be a big fan of too many more Lore episodes. Um, there are a lot of Brent Spiner episodes, just as an as like just as like in TNG, there's a ton of data stuff. Yeah, that yeah, it's very so true. to do more lore maybe is not the greatest idea. Um, now I mean, I don't know if I even want to talk about it, but what did you think about when they brought in the other, the third brother in Nemesis uh, before? I want to say his name was before. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't sound like you're that into him. Well, I'm not into much. Anything, <laughs> anything to do with Nemesis, I'm not going to be overly enthusiastic about. Right. Because um, I think that this is one of the things. Like, lore was fine because they established that you've got data, he's got an evil brother, lore. You know, lore had the emotions, everything. He was kind of a more. He was just different from data in a lot of ways. Yep. When they brought in the B4 and he was even earlier prototype. And he was basically a child. Child, oh yeah, okay. Trapped in an android's body. <laughs> yeah, and I guess maybe they wanted to set it up so that if they wanted to bring back data, they could just put his memories into B four or whatever. It doesn't matter about that movie, but um, was that kind of just going back to that well one too many times? Is almost what I want to ask. Like B four, you mean? Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a terrible idea. <laughs> Yeah, I think I like Lore. I'm with you. I like Lore. I think that it's. I think he's a great character, and they used him well. Um, but I think that that's probably enough. And that's that's the thing with the android. It's just so special. Like I kind of miss the early episodes of TNG where alien species would come on this ship and be like, "Whoa, is that is that the android?" Like, I heard that guy can bend metal bars, and I heard that he can you know recite a hundred digits of pi. Like he had a mystique to him. You know what I mean? Yep. And. Yep. Uh, that part of it, yeah, I really like. I think that that's that's really cool. But it's not if there's fifty of them running around, it's no good. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The the uniqueness of it is sort of what makes it work. Yeah. Totally agree. Now the last one is Hugh. Um, Hugh's only really in two episodes, but I thought it might be worth mentioning um, just because he is kind of the catalyst for this whole episode, and um, it's one of the rare times where if you hadn't seen Ibor you would have no idea what's going on. That's true, yeah. They do a pretty good job of kind of giving the background, but really, they'd be like, who is who is this Hugh guy? What did he do? Like, that kind of thing. So, um, do you like the Hugh character? Would you have liked to see him more? Or is this about as much as you could probably squeeze out of that? Yeah, Hugh was very... I, I mean, if you watch Ibor, it's a very... Um, it's a really sort of philosophical and moral episode. Um, mm-hmm. It's a pretty, pretty heavy episode. Um, I, I think the character is very interesting I, I i do generally like sort of what happened with hugh and um it was kind of I, I thought it was nice that they were able to sort of work it back in um 
a huge character. So, um, I mean, you don't, they, they don't know 100% at this point, like, as of the end of part one. They still don't know, like, if it really was Hugh. Um, it's very strongly hinted, mm-hmm. and I mean, it is, in the end, it ends up being the ex, the correct explanation. But, um, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of nice to sort of have him work back in. Yeah, I thought it was great. I think it's a, it's a sign of things to come just for television. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't like they were, they shoehorned him in there either. Like it made perfect sense. Um, even early in the episode where they're like, you know, these guys were acting like individuals. I wonder if you had something to do right. with it. Right. It makes logical like, sense. Right? You know, it's not like these board just show up that are like sort of slightly off and they're like, oh, it must be Hugh. Right, yeah. You know, like, it, they demonstrated the exact traits that Hugh had developed as when he was with the, right. on the Enterprise. Yeah, and you know, I like that because you don't want it to get too, like, Roger Moore Bond. Like, what about that Max Zorin guy? Like, you know, they kind of already know who it is ahead of, like, way ahead of time. Yeah. Um, I, so I kind of agree with you. Um, so, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I like you too. I don't think that they need to kind of bring him back. I always kind of like that actor. I, I think he's really unique. Even with all the face makeup and all the gear and stuff like that, he kind of stands out, which mm-hmm. um, is a testament to who that actor was, right? I think that it, they did a great job, and they just kind of had enough enough uniqueness and that voice, especially. He's kind of smaller guy and everything like that, so I definitely like that. Um, in terms of uh, some of the production stuff, the continuity stuff, the interesting trivial bits, um, this we is should, we the talk about Croesus. For a second. Okay, sure. Oh, Croesus, yeah. Because that's the other thing is that um, there are some boards with different names and things like that, but Croesus is kind of the main one that they end up capturing and putting him in the brig and they kind of give him the questions and stuff like that. So, yeah, what did you think of uh, Croesus? Um, well, the, the it, one interesting thing about Croesus is that we've actually, here on RTR, we've actually encountered the actor who plays Croesus before. As a board? Not as a board. Oh, okay. Try to imagine him in uh, Romulan makeup. Oh, is he the guy from the uh, the, the next phase? That's right. Oh, okay. I the... did not. I mean, it's totally different makeup. He seems bigger in this episode. Yeah, but he's yeah. He was the D phase. He's param the D phase. Oh, good trivia. Yeah, I did not pick up on that at all. And I think that that's kind of maybe like. They have people hanging around the set, and they this seems to come up a lot. They use the same people over and over and over. Yeah, I recognize the name uh, when I was watching, like scrolling on the bottom, and uh, like he he's not like a, a one of those guys that's in like you know every series or anything. Mm-hmm. He's been in three three different episodes of Star Trek, so um, I guess around maybe episode. 11, 17 or 18 of RTR will pull out the Enterprise episode that he appears <laughs> Hopefully. It's on track for it, right? Uh, yeah. Man, I want to be on one episode. Uh, it's like my life goal now. <laughs> I really, really badly want to be, be an, an extra. extra in like Discovery. And then cool. I'll take a picture and I'll put it up on like the Twitter or something and everyone can see it. We'll I really your, want to be on it. You put it on your mantle forever. Well, that's it. It like Star Trek is forever, man. So mm-hmm. if you're ever on one episode, especially if you had like a speaking line, you know, like you could be the next Ashley Judd. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this marks the um, third, I think third. Yeah, I don't know, hundred percent sure. This is the third time that a woman has taken control of the Enterprise. Now, mm-hmm. um, this is a tough one, uh, but do you know the other two times? Uh, Troy in Disaster. 
Oh, good. Uh, I feel like... Oh, didn't Uhura take command of the Enterprise in the original series once? It was Uhura, but it was actually the animated series. Yeah, it was oh. the animated series called the Lorley Signal. Um, okay, I, I knew that... Okay, yeah, I... There is also a kind of a third one that's oh, a little into, bit more tricky. We're and getting it, into like a gray area here. It's a little bit in the gray area, and I guess I, if I tell you the trick, then it will be way too easy. Um, it's something like take command of the battle bridge or something. No, not that. <laughs> it is a really, really famous Star Trek Next Generation episode. Like, it would probably be in most people's top three favorite episodes if you were to be, like, ranking them or something like that. And it is a female captain. Oh, Rachel Garrett. Well done. Well yes. done. Yeah, yesterday's Enterprise. So it, it's the Enterprise C, though. The Enterprise C. So, it yeah. Counts. Those are the three different times. I guess the fourth time that it would happen. So that is a good job. Well done. Um... Some other little bits and pieces. So in this episode, Data um, says that he believes that he has felt his very first emotion. That's not true. Um, in Deja Q, he uh, experiences a brief moment of laughter because of Q's uh, Q abilities. And of, he describes the, it. One of the finest scenes in all yeah, the Yeah, it is really good. Uh, but he does say that it feels like a wonderful feeling. So that actually was not uh, the case. Um the transwarp conduits are kind of similar to the energy vortex from the episode Time Squared, which is kind of cool. Um, mm -hmm. The other ships that uh, you get to see this time, which I, you know I love, is the USS Crazy Horse, as well as the USS Gorkin. Did um, you notice the name of the shuttle that Data flew away in? No. The Elbaz. The Elbaz, okay. I love that. I love that they get their own little and that, that That shuttle was... I... I I feel like that was also the shuttle. Do you remember that really early Next Generation episode where Picard, like, they find, like, this shuttle, like, drifting through space, and it's, like, Picard is in it, like, a double of him from, like, the future? That's Times Squared. Is it Times Squared? Yeah, I think so. Oh, well, that's the shuttle from that. That's the same shuttle. Oh, cool. I like that. That's the little touches I think, that are kind I think, of nice. I think it was Elbaz was the one in that episode. But, I, I mean, Elbaz definitely is, like, a shuttle from previous episodes. Yeah, I, I love that kind of stuff, and I love the little names. I mean, Crazy Horse is obviously a Native American thing, and the Gorkin is uh, the first name of a non-human individual, the Klingon Chancellor Gorgon. Gorgon. Yes. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the only other little piece that I have is that uh, apparently Stephen Hawking called Paramount Pictures after the episode and said that since he won the hand... You know, where's the money, right? Like, he won that big thing, so he wanted the, the winnings. He tried to and, cash uh, in his chips. Yeah, apparently they just told him that they didn't know how to do the exchange rate, which is kind of cute. <laughs> like, what, they couldn't figure out, like, what chips are worth in, like, a, the, the 24th century uh, dollars? Yeah, exactly. Because this is kind of before dilithium, or not, not dilithium, um, gold press gold laptop. Laptop. <laughs> That's That's pretty funny. we have hit the final section of uh, the show where we give our final thoughts and our ratings. This week we are rating our uh, episode out of uh, Transwarp Conduits, which is always um, fun, exciting, I don't know. Transwarp um, Conduits are pretty fun. I guess so, yeah. It's kind of weird. They only really show up in like one or two episodes, but 
Um, so, you know what, give me your final thoughts and your ratings. This is a w tough one to do because what I want you to try and like put your mindset is, is I want you to just look at part one. Okay. Yep. So you know what happens, you know where this goes, but I want you to kind of really focus in, put the blinders on, um, just part one. Don't look at any other pieces. Okay. So give me your final thoughts and your rating. Yeah. Part one, I thought was a really good episode. Um, I thought that the setup was really good. I thought the sort of escalation of the, the danger of the board was really well done. You know, sort of the callback to Hugh was nice. And, and you know, the very end where, you you know, it's, it's lore and it's data and they're apparently out to destroy the Federation. Like, that's pretty, uh, that was a pretty intense way to end season uh, six. And um, if, if we're going to look strictly at the first part, um, I think I'm going to go with Five transwarp conduits out of five. Wow, that might be the first time. Is yeah, it? Like to me, this is a classic. I mean, I loved watching this episode when I was when I was a kid, and 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 I, I still love watching it. It's a really, uh, it's a really, really, really good episode. Wow, we need like a little bell, like to, to hammer the big ding 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 ding. ding. You're uh, a winner. You're a winner. Five of five. All right. Do you have any uh, memorable scenes or any memorable quotes that you want to kind of? use as a uh you know as kind of a send-off for this particular one um i mean we already mentioned that i liked the, during the poker scene i really liked when stephen hawking was like wrong again albert and yeah then, like, the, the, little, the little arm thing flips down and shows like what if you have like four of a kind or something like yeah it's ridiculously really good yeah. hand yeah um i, I thought this Sort of the scene with, I mean, we talked about the scene with Picard and Necheyev. That sort of stuck out at me because she really, like, just ripped into him um, even more than she usually does about that one. And, um, I, I mean, I guess, like, really for me, the whole episode is really pretty memorable. Like, this is one that, that you know, I obviously I really like. Good, good, good. Um, I, uh, yeah, I'm going to mirror most of that. There's lots of good lines in it, like, Data, stop it, stop it, stop it. Um, you've got Deanna Troy at the end. That's not Data. And Lord, the big reveal is really great. Um, the Sons of Sue have joined together. They're going to destroy the Federation. That's a great line. Um, there is lots of good here. Man, is it good. Oh, yeah. That's uh, great. It is. It really, really is, you know, a, a, a heavy hitter. Um, I think if I had to kind of pick my favorite scene or my favorite line, it would be... Troy and Data and him mentioning that he felt pleasure and that little capper. I feel like that could almost be like a, maybe not a season finale, but just like a two-parter finale. I think that that was really a, a really great chilling moment. Um, the beginning of this episode is so good. The Hughes stuff, the Nechea stuff, uh, Data trying to figure everything out, you know. Um, the end is a little bit, and I don't mean the end like the Sons of Soon thing is great, but the part where they send everybody down to the planet and they leave the skeleton crew. I don't love the board ship. The conduit thing is kind of eh. Um, I think that it just misses for me. I'm going to give it four to five transwarp conduits. It's really good, but I want to make the five of five platinum edition. And so I'm going to just kind of hold, it's really tough because this is a great episode, it's a classic episode, but I think I'm going to go four to five and it's really just because at the very end there, I think there's kind of some pieces that, and the, the plot of it itself kind of doesn't really reveal itself enough. You don't really know why are they trying to do this? Where are they going? Like, was it all just a plan to get data? 
there's a lot that's kind of left unsaid and unknown. So I'm going to go four out of five. Um, it's a really great episode. Love this episode. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that it's great. Um, so because it's a two-parter, we're in a bit of a tough spot, aren't we? Because this is typically the time we do the big pull, the big exciting reveal. We find, you know, somebody stresses out while they, you know, feverishly write down all they can do for an episode. And we're not going to get to do it this week. And I kind of feel like that's a bit sad. So for this week, we have compiled some trivia questions for one another. Uh, we don't know what they are. We don't even know what they're about. But we are going to uh, give each other the trivia questions and then, I guess, give ourselves a little score out of uh, whatever number of questions that we get. Um, it's a little bit different, new. We never really tried anything like this before, but hey, the worst that can happen is we just get them wrong. So um, I will give a second for you guys to play along at home as well, but do you want to go first or second? I only have one question. So... Okay. Do you want to go first then? I... Okay, come on, hit me with it. All right. <clears throat> one of the three... One of the three scientists that Data plays poker with actually appears in another episode, and it's the same actor. Okay. Can you name which one it is? I'm going to say it's Newton. Okay. And I'm going to say that it's from that Voyager episode where you find out that he gets hit on the head because of... It wasn't the, the cue that we know. It's AQ shaking the tree. Unfortunately, that is not correct. Not correct. Okay. Um, was it Newton, though? No. Oh, okay. It was Einstein. Okay. And uh, you may remember there's an episode called The Nth Degree where Barkley like, gets like taken over by this like alien influence and gets really super smart. Okay. And there's a scene where he's on the holodeck like debating physics with Albert Einstein. Oh, and it's the same actor. It's the same actor. He did look just like him. I thought it was great. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, totally. Was... He may have even like went and done conventions as like Einstein or something because he looked just like him. He was great. Yeah. Okay. Good knowledge. Hopefully you got that one at home. This next one is is hard. I'm not gonna lie. I really dug into the depths to try to catch Matt up with this one particular one. So if you want to play along at home, you might have to pause it. Matt's really bright when it comes to Star Trek stuff. So after I'm done reading it. Pause it. Try to write these down. This is not an easy question, but you know what? It's very fitting for A, this show, and B, for this particular episode. So, Great. the question is, how many Borg episodes can you name? And I will give you a hint. There are 17. And about 12 of them are Voyager? <laughs> There's a lot of Voyager. Um, okay, so there is Q-Who. Yep. Best of Both Worlds. Yep. I Borg. Yeah. Descent. Yeah. Uh, are we counting movies? Movies, yeah. First Contact. Yeah. Um, Scorpion. Yep. Dear Lord, now we're getting into the really hard part. Unimatrix Zero. Yep. Endgame. Yep. I'm trying to think of the name of that Enterprise episode. I don't know if I'm going to get that. There is only one Enterprise episode. Yeah, um, I can tell you exactly what happens in it, but I don't know if I can tell you the title. I think I've got all the major Voyager ones, all the two-part ones. How many, how many did I, have I gotten? You have eight of the 17. Not even half. If you get one more, you'd be a pass on that. <laughs> um, hmm. One. One? Isn't there an episode called One where the with the super like futuristic board when like sevens does that count uh, i do not have one on my 
thing. I think that was the name of it. There's, a, there's one that's really close to that. I almost want to kind of give it to you. What happens in the episode? Uh, Seven's nanoprobes, like, get infused with the Doctor's mobile emitter, and then they, like, create this, like, 29th century Borg. That's, yes, like, super okay. Advanced. You're, you know what? I'm going to give you that one. It's actually not called one. It's called Drone. But I'm going to um, actually give you that. That's pretty... That's, that's pretty called one. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, no, it's called Drone, but that's uh, pretty good. So that puts you past half. You think you're tapped out? I, I, I could sit here all night and rack my brain. Okay, the one from Enterprise is called Regeneration. Yes. You've got Voyager, obviously, that's the rest of them. You've got Unity. You've got Raven. You've got Dark Frontier. You've got Survival Instinct Collective, Child's Play. You've got uh, Imperfection. And I think that's it. Jeez, I didn't even get Dark Frontier. That's pretty That's pretty big. That's a, Yeah. You know what? That's uh, that's the tough part when you're, under the, when you're under the gun, right? It's tough to kind of come up with some of these. Uh, but anyway, I guess that's it. Uh, that's it for this week on RTR. Uh, please, please join us again next week. We'll be looking at part two of Descent. And uh, I guess we'll be pulling a new episode next week. So that'll be Matt up on that time. And uh, that's all for today. Bye, everybody. Descent, part two. This show is brought to you by Holosuite Media. Computer, list other available Holosuite Media programs. Loading Holosuite Preview Program for Blast Shield, a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast. And she starts swinging it in a ridiculously reckless way. But it's so over the top that I was laughing out loud. It's putting a smile on my face. I know you were laughing I really when you first related saw it. to that moment. <laughs> you know I get over the top. It was, uh, I just think it gives a good idea at her. And the way they cut around it, it's so close in her face. You're like, oh my God, she's crazy. And then we get the moment where she just slices it into his leg. And it's very graphic. It's re- detail. You see the muscle, like the different muscles torn. You can like see the, the Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah, I think you see bone as well. Loading Sweet preview program for The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. The orangey skin makes me think of something else. Makes you think nowadays. of Donald Trump. <laughs> And, it, and bad hair. Oh my God! He's Kazon. Donald Trump is Kazon. Trump is a Kazon. Oh my God! I'm surprised he's not calling himself Mad Trump. <laughs> because he's not very bright either. No, it fits perfectly. I understand it all now. We've we've just been taken over by the Kazon. And we didn't even realize it. No. Oh my God, <laughs> listeners, we've just solved the mystery of the last four years in the United States. Loading Hollow Sweet Preview Program for. The Vedic Assembly, a DS9 podcast. What flavor would I Jello that hasn't set yet. <laughs> flavor, he would be orange. You reckon he'd be orange flavored? He'd be orange flavored. just because he's got orange goo? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I mean, it would be weird if he were a flavor and he were orange colored goo and you tasted it and it was like lime. That would be disconcerting. Be surprised. So, yes. I'd say like, like <laughs> bitter orange, you know? Yeah, Bitter orange like a blood orange. Yeah. Blood orange Odo, yes. Oh, now I would totally eat Odo Let's do now. that. <laughs> Computer, deactivate Holosuite.